This episode of Policing Matters is sponsored by Kenwood. We are committed to providing modern turnkey critical communication solutions for today and the future. Well, hello and welcome back, and thank you for tuning in to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Well, since the inception of the one-way radio in Police Dispatch, developed in Detroit, Michigan in 1928, after seven years of testing, there have been a few improvements. Uh, Some years later, two-way communication was achieved, and information flow increased tremendously, saving lives in the process. Well, since then, we added computer terminals and some say an overwhelming amount of information uh, in the radio car that confronts uh, law enforcement professionals on the way to a call. Well, what could be done to give responders the right amount of relevant information that could be the most useful to know well en route? Well, here, here we are nearly 100 years later, and from the first thought of dispatching versus via police radio, and some innovation has come about in police dispatching. Well, today's guests are on the forefront of the technology. Captain Don Redman is a returning guest from the Chula Vista Police Department, where he heads support operations, including the 911 Communication Center, Technology, City Jail, Professional Standards, and the Drone Program. And police communications manager Carla Even began her law enforcement career in 2000 as a police dispatcher for the National City Police Department. In 2004, she was hired as a police dispatcher for the Chula Vista Police Department. She holds a bachelor's science in management. She's a graduate of the National Emergency Number Association Center Manager Certification Program. (laughs) That's a mouthful. Uh, The San Diego Regional Leadership Institute and Field Training Supervisor, Administrator, Coordinator, Post Course. She manages the 9-11 Police Communication Center for the Chula Vista Police Department, employing 26 dispatchers, five supervisors, and handling approximately 320,000 calls per year. Well, welcome to Policing Matters, Captain Don Redman and Carla Even. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for uh, having me back. I'm excited here to talk about this uh, new technology, Live 911. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Um, anything that I can do to get the information about there about police reform, 911 reform, and what this program can do to enhance um, what we're already doing in the 911 center is great. It is terrific, and and I've got to say it's great having you on, Carla, uh, from the emergency communications dispatch side of the house. We hardly ever hear from you, and you're so important uh, in in everything we do in law enforcement. So it's great to have you. So tell us a little bit about uh, Live Nine One One and uh, how how did you come about it? How how's it work? So um, a couple of years ago. Um, the, the idea was created back in really about 20, 2018. Uh, one of our police lieutenants uh, had the idea of live streaming 911 calls directly to officers in the field. And at the time he was overseeing our dispatch center and he ha- was attending uh, California Post Command College, which is a futures project. 
and his future project was live streaming on one calls. So when uh, he retired uh, back in 2019, uh, he looked around and realized that nobody was still doing this. So he reached out to a police logger company and um, basically formed a partnership with, hey, it would be great to live stream 911 calls. And they reached out to us, it's Chula Vista Police Department, myself and our IT, and said, uh, would we really work with them in a kind of a beta setting as to see if we can make this a reality? So in about a year, year and a half, we worked with the company. And ultimately, what was created was Live 911 with the ability to live stream 911 calls directly to officers in the field. Awesome. Carla, were you in on the, the ground level or did you come in later in the process? Um, later in the process, I was a supervisor at the time and they were you know piloting it using our drone officer was the first one to use it. Mm -hmm. um, it was introduced to us in May of this past year in 2020 and it was being rolled out to all of patrol. Um, I got to see what it looked like and put the program up and I was amazed at the the mapping system was fantastic and I thought, well, this is a great tool. So can we also have it in dispatch, even though it was designed for patrol, it seemed like something that could really help us as well. Yeah, certainly. So, and and you mentioned the drone program. How's that tied in? So how how the Live 911 works is the the call comes into our 911 dispatch center and what happens is essentially it makes a duplicate call so it goes into the police call taker um so when when you think about how a 911 call comes in 911 what is your emergency help 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 and the call taker enters the information into our cad system that gets routed over to a police um, dispatcher the dispatcher obviously is only dispatching one call at a time they they see that a call has popped up and then they read that call in their cad and then they they dispatch the closest um, police unit with live 911 when that call comes into our dispatch center it makes essentially a duplicate and it goes into a different server. And so while the police call taker is taking that call, the, the officer in the field is hearing that call in real time. And the, the, the important part of this is um, the officer isn't, we get approximately 100,000 911 calls a year. Obviously we don't want a patrol officer listening to 100,000 911 calls, right? It would, it would drive anybody crazy. So what it is, is they're able to geofence their immediate vicinity. So in their patrol car, they can customize their scan radius to, um, maybe they just want a half mile scan radius. So wherever the patrol vehicle is driving, within that half mile of that patrol vehicle, they're hearing the 911 calls that are coming in to in, in their immediate vicinity. Or they can also um, um, geofence their specific beat or sector that they're working. So our uh, officers work are assigned a beat. And so they can geofence that beat. So no matter where they are in the city, if a call comes in on their beat that they're supposed to patrol, they'll hear that 911 call. So with our drone program, we have what's called, as I, we've talked before, is the drone as a first responder. So the drone operators are listening to the 911 calls in real time. So as soon as a call comes in, they immediately see through rapid SOS the, the location of the caller within seconds that the call comes in. So if they see a call, if a call comes in and it's help, 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 I need your help, 
the, the, disp the um, drone operator needs no more information. They know somebody needs help and they see the immediate location and they will launch a drone immediately to get it overhead to see what the, the nature of the, of the emergency is. So we really, when we rolled this out, we started with our drone pilots um, using this to beta test it, to give us some feedback on how to use it, what, what works, what doesn't work. And as it was kind of finalized, then it was rolled out to some beta testers in the patrol division. And then once they gave us their input and we made some changes, it was rolled out citywide and we've been um, pretty much citywide for about a year now. And Carla, does the dispatcher still feel part of the call? Are they on the call from, from start to finish? Uh, does the caller directly deal with the responding officer? How, how's that part work? So even more so now, um, they're, they're a part of what's going on, with especially with the drone. So the officers are not able to speak to the callers. Um, the officers can only listen to what the dispatcher is saying. Mm. So when the dispatcher, they still continue to process the call exactly the same way as they have in the past. Um, the officers in the past would typically ask a bunch of questions, you know, like, ask which way the car went, ask, you know, what the suspect was wearing. Um, they would ask those things over the radio. And now that they can hear the calls live, they know that the dispatchers are already asking those questions. So they might um, limit their questions. There's fewer that are coming in from the officers in the field because they're listening and they're getting the immediate updates that are happening. And then also when the drone launches, um, the dispatchers are able to see what is happening on scene. They're able to tell the caller if they don't know their directions, can you point in the direction that the person left? And the dispatchers are watching it on the drone so they can say, okay, the, you know, the caller's now saying, I see that you're pointing northbound, um, things like that, or um, just based on what they're seeing. Or they can tell the caller if they're hysterical and don't wanna answer questions. You know, we do have someone on scene that that can see they have a visual of the car, you know, relax a little bit. So there's just a different kind of um, communication that's happening when you have eyes on scene with our drone mm -hmm. and also the officers hearing it, you can reassure the callers that, you know, the officers are responding and they're also listening. So if you tell me which way it went. So it's been helpful, like full circle for the dispatchers as well. Mm -hmm. And does, does the officer actually hear the caller's voice? They do. They hear the um, the entire call just as if you know they were they were picking up the phone and on a three way call with us. Okay. They hear everything. All right. So not just through the dispatcher. So yeah. I'm just wondering what's the drawback. Uh, I talked um, a couple of shows back um, with Nicole Florisi from from Arizona about uh, officers um, maybe ramping up as they're heading to a call, and I'm just wondering if. Uh, an excited caller or somebody, you know, shrieking, blood curdling screams. Have you seen a negative effect on the responding officer based on that? Yeah. So, so these were concerns that were brought to us early on, um, I, I, not from our officer's perspective, but it was um, a lot of the dispatchers were concerned for the officer's safety on these. So um, some of the, the, the concerns were that the um, officers would be hearing, to, to your point, the excited caller, right, screaming on there. The officers would be driving really fast trying to get there and would get tunnel vision and they would be uh, higher incidences of crashes and everything. Yeah. And what we found was actually just the opposite was occurring. So um, it, it works both ways. So um, dispatchers will dispatch a, 
a call that is a high priority call, but the officers are hearing the tone of voice, the ur- the lack of urgency in there, and it's actually done just the opposite. They've slowed hmm. down a little bit to try and get more information. And when you got to recognize um, prior to live 911, as updates are occurring uh, um, for this this call, the officers, the dispatcher isn't always able to give verbatim updates as it's happening. So the officers were having to drive to this call while reading their computer MDC and looking for updates. Well, now they don't have to do that. They can just focus on driving the car and it's actually been a lot safer for them. And when we talk about you know the, the urgency, the tone of voice, all of these little things, we have to recognize now that you know, the national message is that we need to do things differently. We need to give the officers all of the information before they get on scene in real time. And so for de-escalation, we want the officers to hear all of the information. We want to hear um, that it might be a toy gun, that it might be um, a, a juvenile in the park playing with a BB gun, as opposed to a subject in a park with a gun, right? Mm-hmm. It, that totally changes the per- perception um, and how the officers are gonna re- respond to that. Additionally, when what we found, which, which is, um, you know, we've had victims following suspects in their car. And typically by the time the, the victim tells the dispatcher, you know, the call taker to the dispatcher to the officer, they've made two or three different turns. And so there's always that delay for the mm. officer to catch up to them. Now the officers are seeing in real time and on the map, their exact location, and they're able to catch up to, to this in, in, in real time. And it's been a, been a huge huge um, benefit for, for the officers. You know, if I, if I could talk on that too, just for a minute, they, they talk about um, police reform and part of the police reform is 911 reform. So adding this technology that enhances it, I know that people get concerned about, will the officers be more upset if they hear something while responding? Is it gonna make them respond in a different way? Um, but our officers see and hear things when they get on scene that we as dispatchers don't. So in order to give them all of the information ahead of time, I mean, can't be a bad thing because they have then everything they need to make that tactical decision. When they do scenarios and they have, um, you know, shooting scenarios, what did the dispatcher say? It was a toy gun versus not a toy gun. How many times do the officers pull the trigger? Then there's a lot of onus on the dispatcher to think, you know, should I tell them that, you know, the person doesn't sound excited or the person sounds suspicious or this person's hysterical or maybe it sounds like they're not telling the truth. All of that going through your head and that liability on the dispatchers of trying to hypothesize and synopsize for them, it goes away. So the officers get the information and they know. And if 75% of communication over the phone is tone of voice, why would we not want them to be able to hear that? If they are very excited, then maybe the officer knows tactically, I'm not an officer, but maybe he knows tactically or she, that they slow down a little bit and wait for cover because this sounds a little more critical. Um, but but saying to keep that information in order to protect them, I, I don't think that's the way to go as far as, I don't think it's protecting them. You want them to have everything versus little clips of what maybe a dispatcher believes is the most important thing. Sure. Yeah. It comes down to perspectives and might as yeah. well have a guy responding, have, have the last uh, perspective on, on what to expect. So, but it sounds like it's successful. 
was there skepticism? I get there's always skepticism, right? When there's something new from the the side of uh, dispatch, what was the what was the hesitation about turning this over? Was there? I don't believe there was any from patrol, um, but as far as dispatch, yes, um, myself included, I was a little leery. Um, it's change and. Um, I was nervous that we didn't have a quality assurance program in place. So I was worried that there were going to be things that were going to come up that we would need to fix. And it was exactly the opposite of everything that we felt was going to happen or were afraid of all those fears. Um, it hasn't been used as a punitive um, technology or enhancement. And that's what people were afraid of, that it was going to be punitive, that they were, you know, the officers were going to find things they were doing wrong. When in reality, you find that 99.9% .9 of the time, the dispatchers are doing exactly the most amazing thing, which we, we should have known that from the beginning that, you know, it's not, it's not that we're trying to catch them doing something wrong or they weren't doing a good job. Now it's confirming and our officers are reacting because they see like, oh my gosh, these dispatchers are absolutely amazing. If there's errors that are made, um, that's just something that we take as a training opportunity and we realize it's one particular dispatcher or it's across the board. So maybe we need to look into how to change this. Um, so it gives us the opportunity to do better and be better. So, um, but it's it's definitely not what we thought it would be. Um, we we were we were nervous because like all your information's out there and like are we doing a good job? Well, yes, we are. We're doing a great job. So you you just see that. And awesome. It was a lot like um, when when officers first got their body worn cameras, right? So the <laughs> the idea was now everybody's going to see what they did. Everybody's going to see what they're going to what they said um, we're we're saying. And the fear was that this was going to be punitive, but at the same point, you know, that's not the case. But having said that, if we're reviewing body worn camera and there's a training issue, or if there's something that is is not appropriate, then uh, outside of policy, then that's going to be addressed. And that's what really happened with um, the live 911. Um, uh, you know, we've had countless times where the dispatcher is typing away, and um, maybe they missed that it was East Palomar instead of Palomar, and mm -hmm. They sent the call caller to Palomar, and the officer would get on the air and say, "Well, actually, they said East Palomar. It's the other direction, right?" And it was mm. just those little simple things, you know, an, an obvious mistake, but that could have huge impl implications for officers going in the wrong direction for somebody who's calling nine one one and needs a help immediately. So we've had those little um, little things, those little successes that have been big successes overall in, in the program. Well, that's great. And I'd like to talk some more about some of the stories that um, some of the success stories, maybe some difficult issues. But first, I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor. At Kenwood, we make sure first responders have mission critical radio systems that work no matter what. When the mission is critical, no one has time for complexities or static or system failures. It has to work perfectly in the worst conditions. That's why Kenwood focuses on innovating, developing, and implementing the highest quality secure communication solutions to organizations whose mission is to protect and save lives. We ensure you will always have the lifeline you need when you need it. We make safe simple. Visit us online at www.efjohnson.com. And we are back with Chula Vista Police Department Communications Manager Carla Even and Captain Don Redman talking about live 911. 
uh, fascinating system. Um, you know, I can just see the benefits, uh, the callers uh, who want to remain anonymous, right? They don't want to give their location or their name. So maybe they're calling on a number that's, that's not traceable. Uh, we had one in San Francisco not too long ago where a woman uh, from her third or fourth story window saw a man lying in the median for, uh, you know, not unusual in San Francisco, lying there in, in the median in the bushes and uh, cars and pedestrians walking by all day. And uh, four or five hours later, he's in the exact same position. And she says, I'm going to call. This doesn't look right. She calls and um, it's a, you know, well-being check, right? So the officers go by, they do a, a cursory search. There's no callback. Uh, the person doesn't want to be contacted. And so they leave. So now another hour or so goes by. She calls and says, hey, what happened? And dispatch says they couldn't find the person. And she says, okay, I'll give my name. I want to talk to the officers and direct them to where this guy is. And they do. And unfortunately, the guy was deceased. Now, we don't know if those lost two hours or even the lost seven hours would have made a difference uh, in whether or not he was uh, alive or not. But this sounds like a great tool in those, uh, I don't want to talk, I don't want to give my location, but I'll tell you on the phone. Yeah, we've had a, a number uh, of those. And, and, and so typically um, for, for, for officers, you know, um, if you can imagine, you know, getting a 911 call and somebody needs help and being dispatched to maybe a Costco or a Walmart or some big giant parking lot on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, right? Yeah. And these poor officers, they just get an address and have to drive around a parking lot trying to find out the location of this, this emergency. Now on their, their uh, map on their NBC, they see the exact location that the caller is calling from. So they can go immediately to, to that location. So we've had a number of those successes. Um, maybe it could be somebody who's lost in a canyon or something, um, not knowing where they're at. You know, we can we can um, you know find them find them immediately. We did have um, I, we had a couple of, um, really great success stories right away, and I had a, a, a officer actually call me at at home. Um, he was so excited. Um, he said he, him and another officer had just cleared were were being sent to a a, a low priority call of a of a trespass at at the time. And he says, as he's, he's driving with his partner following him, he hears a 911 call come in of a, of a victim who said that he caught a, a man um, inside his business, breaking into his business and chased him out to the parking lot and has the man at gunpoint in the parking lot. He said, literally, he saw the call and could see that it was directly across the street and looked over and saw the victim pointing the gun at the suspect and proned out and turned and took the person into custody before the dispatcher even had the call in the system to dispatch them. And he had already already handled that. So that was one one um, win for us that the officers were very excited because they could hear this in real time that they were going and literally immediately looked to his to his left and sees the sees the call and the the person who's calling so it was pretty exciting yeah that's great and of course that you know could have gone sideways without the the information yeah and then we had one other one where uh, the call came out of um uh, the dispatcher was dispatching multiple officers and a supervisor and that the caller had said that her adult son was trying to break in through the front door and had a gun and a hammer 
And, you know, so that's a high, definitely a high priority call for, for any police agency and for officers. And that we talk about getting the excitement up, right? Right away, that, that gets everybody, multiple units, man with a gun, trying to break into a house. The mom is calling on him. Obviously, this is, this is very serious. But um, this was happening on live 911, you know, it was a 911 call. So the officers could hear that the, the, the mom was actually a little vague on whether or not there was a real gun. Well, he might have a gun, but every time I call you, he leaves. You guys never get here on time. And she's real calm when she's, she's talking. And, and, well, he may not have a gun after all. And to the point where the officers actually parked down the street, said, we're monitoring on live 911. Um, the, the mom said that the, the son had put the hammer away in the, in his car already. So he didn't have it. And the officers literally just walked up to the person at the front door. They contact him. No guns were drawn. No crime had been committed. Uh, um, they got some information and he drove away and there was no, no problems hmm. where you could see had they not had live 911, that could have had serious consequences moving forward. And For I know sure. Carla has had some, some um, examples in dispatch also. Yeah, and on that call, I was listening to it when it was happening. It was aired um, over the radio as a man at the door with a gun and a hammer trying to break in. She didn't even specify um, over the radio at first that it was her 17-year-old son. And because the mom wasn't saying that at that point, she just was saying, yeah, there's a man at the door. Um, well, how do you know this man? Oh, it's my son. You know, so when, when it first goes out, it does it does sound completely different. Um, we've had a drowning call. Um, uh, the mom was so hysterical. She couldn't give us the address, but it had, you know, dropped the pen for the officers so that they could respond. So by the time we could get her transferred to medics, because we only dispatched for police, um, and they were able to get an address from her, the officers were already on scene. Um, they do that for non-breather calls, overdose calls. Um, we have protocol in place that if it's one of those life-threatening calls, the officers can then um, respond and let us know I'm en route to such and such location on an overdose or non-breather. And then the primary dispatcher puts in that call for service. Um, so they're able to respond to those calls faster. Um, we've also had a, a female call in suicidal and she wouldn't tell us where she was, but the officers were, you know, plotting her because it was updating her location constantly so they could get behind her and follow her. She ended up leading them on a pursuit, but then she finally, you know, pulled over and we were able to take her to the hospital and get her help, but she was in a pretty bad place. So, yeah, I mean, there's, it's, it's daily. If you listen to it and you hear the stuff they're doing, the drone launching before we can get a call in, um, it's all day long. So it's pretty, it's pretty neat way to dispatch. Yeah. And, and I read in some of your literature that the drone is out on 80% or so of your calls. And a lot of times they're there even before the, the officer arrives. Yeah. Our, our drone is, um, is on scene. Um, so, sometimes before it's even, um, the dispatcher even has it, um, they're on our priority one calls, which is our most serious, um, we're averaging um, about three minutes for the, the, the um, uh, drone officer to get on scene, um, which is really from, you know, three minutes may seem like a lifetime, but that's pretty quick. But on average for our officers is about six minutes. So three minutes for the uh, um, get on scene. And in, in that time, the, the drone operator is able to see, you know, maybe vehicles fleeing, um, kind of give an updated status. They also are uh, fire department, our battalion chiefs um, also 
um, have access to the video um, for our drone feed. So they can also see, so um, like if it's a fire, they can see um, for, for getting some information, um, resources, um, if it's traffic collision, what kind of equipment they're gonna need, uh, road closures. So the drone operator is listening to Live 911, launching immediately, fire department's going, police department's going, everybody has this real-time data in this kind of um, getting information to the first responders as quickly as possible. Great, so is this a, a multi-agency or multidisciplinary dispatch? Do you go to police, fire, and EMS? No, we dispatch um, police only here. We transfer our medical calls and fire calls to um, Metro. They're, uh, dispatch center that dispatches for a lot of the cities around here. Mm -hmm. um, we do stay on the line though and listen to the calls. That way if um, our drone wants to launch on those, they can get some more information or if they need a police response along with medics, we mm -hmm. go, but we don't provide EMD dispatching here. Okay, got it. And so what's, what's the feedback been from the community? So, you know, it's one of those, we, we haven't had a lot of direct feedback from the community other than um, we have, we are improving our response times. So anytime we can get there quicker, um, that's going to help our, our, our community. Um, plus, they have now the ability to essentially talk to the officers directly during these, these 911 calls. And we have to remember, 911, when you're calling 911, it's probably the worst, one of the worst days of your life and you need help. And um, our, our call takers and our dispatchers do an outstanding job, but they want to talk to the fire, the fire department or they want to talk to the policeman, right? The one who's actually going to be there to, to provide the help. So, so when the dispatcher can say, you know, sir, ma'am, the officer's listening to us right now. Tell us exactly what's going on. That now has that, that connection to the community. And as Carla stated earlier, you know, the national message has changed. We want our officers, when they're making that final turn onto that emergency, they should have every bit of information that has come in. They should know if they're able to hear the callers, the sense of urgency, exactly what the caller is saying and have the opportunity to maybe the drones on scene so that they can see um, on their MDC what the drone is showing. They have a better understanding of what's occurring in that major, in that emergency. They are able to make better informed decisions for better outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Jim, one of the things that dispatchers hear a lot of times is um, just send the police. They don't want to tell you, just send the police. Why are you asking me all these questions? It's very, very common. So when you have that opportunity to tell them, actually, the officer can hear you. So the more you tell me, the more they hear. And so they can actually catch the person. So I know it sounds like we're wasting time, but we're actually not. So it's just a little bit of reassurance for them. And then also, like I had mentioned before, the non-breathers, the drowning, it's like our community is receiving a service that not all communities get. And I would like to live in a city where if there was a drowning at my house, that my officers are driving to me before the call is even entered because they know my location before I even say it. So they're, you know, I haven't had direct feedback from the community, but what they're getting is phenomenal. Yeah. No, I mean, all kinds of advantages. I've, you know, yeah. over my career, I've heard from the community, uh, you know, talking about their essentially, uh, you know, communication fatigue. I've told the story three times and they're still not here, right? I'm taking yeah. the, giving it to the call taker and then the dispatcher and who else. Um, 
and they don't realize that somebody's en route already. So, I mean, the, you know, it takes, you know, the responders to reach out to the community and, and give them the knowledge. I think, I think the more they know about the system, the more, the more they're going to be happy about it. Like you said, you want this to happen in your community. So let's wind it down a little bit. Um, any, any final words from you? I just want to ask you maybe about infrastructure challenges. Um, if an agency is kicking this around and um, maybe with or without drones, what's, you know, where did you guys get grants or you guys yeah, making so your own money there? You're printing money in Chula Vista. <laughs> so um, it's very, very surprising. Um, it's, it's software based. So there's not a there's not a, um, a huge infrastructure cost. It's a um, the uh, the the PSAP the the dispatch center would have to house a server in their their dispatch center. Um, so that's really the only cost is the server in your dispatch center, um, and then um, it's it's pushed out um, to to the MDCs, and then it's a basically a two hour training block for for the users to kind of understand the buttons and the. Um, the protocols, you know, that that um, were developed, and the kind of the training manuals, and the the do's and don'ts. You know, obviously, um, some of the some of the challenges. You know, what we've told our officers that um, if you can't uh, drive the police car, listening to the police radio, read your MDC, and you know, do all these things safely, then don't listen to live nine one one. That's that's an added added problem. We want you to focus on these things first. So newer officers. Um, we, we ask that they, everybody still log on to the system, but mute it because on the system, it shows positions for all the officers who's for, who's, a, who's going to what call it, it um, has a lot of bells and whistles on, on the system. But the other part of it is, is, um, you know, talking to some of the officers, they're getting on scene so fast that they actually have to slow down and wait for their cover units to catch up. And it's, it's one of those officer safety um, issues where, you know, we, we tell all of our officers, you know, you, you, you see the, the four men with ski masks running into the bank, you don't really want to jump out there and engage them, right? You want to wait for your cover. You want to be a good, good, good tactics. And it's the same with live 911. Sometimes you have to slow down, hear what's going on, maybe park, park down the street, wait for your cover unit to get there and, and, and roll that way. So it's, it's um, basically really making sure that they never compromise their officer safety um, just to get there quickly. So um, I encourage um, it's uh, they can um, any agency that's interested in this. It's live911.com. They can go on the website um, or it's Higher Ground is the the company that owns it. Um, they can go on there and um, it's uh, user licenses. So it's um, you you buy licenses and it's not by how big your agency is. It's by how big, um, how many licenses you want for your patrol division. So if you've got say 15 officers in the field during your day watch, um, then you buy 15 off, 15 licenses. Um, and then your swing watch comes on and maybe you have 15 more officers for that overlap, but you don't have to buy 30 licenses. The, they allow that little overlap. And then when those 15 officers from day watch end, you still have 15 licenses for your um, swing watch. So. Um, it's just a, a, an initial startup fee um, and then your licenses and the cost of your server. Um, really, when you look at the benefit of the program from not only your um, quicker response times, the, the fact that it's a de-escalation, a huge, huge de-escalation tool, and it's the, the, the challenge of or the opportunity for the officers to get all of this information 
and also for our dispatchers to, to be, I don't know, as Carla said, a kind of a quality assurance to make sure that, that we have additional ears listening to the information that's being um, obtained, that we're going to the right, right calls and, and um, handling it. Um, it. It takes a little bit of that stress off of the dispatcher. Um, it's really a, a great, great tool. Awesome. Carla, any, any last words? Um, yes, yeah, so I wanted to say thank you for having me. And, you know, 911 plays a critical role in police response. So I think it's important that um, that we are included in the conversation. So thank you for having us. Um, that dispatch priming is something big that's being talked about in our industry about, you know, what the dispatcher says and how that affects an officer's response. So, um, you know, when you see articles like Kyle Plush that happened, um, what if that would have been heard on Live 91? Or, you know, there's been multiple articles that I've seen lately that I think if the Live 911 was deployed in that location, then maybe those things wouldn't have happened. So I feel very fortunate to work for an agency that, you know, forced this technology upon us, even though we were scared, um, because it's worked out to protect a layer of cover for my dispatchers and its protection for the dispatchers, the officers out in the field and the community and our agency. So it's been fantastic. So um, just want to encourage people to embrace the technology, even though it's scary, it's new. Um, it's definitely enhancing what, how we do business. So thank you. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you. And, and I want to thank your chief, Roxana Kennedy and, uh, and Captain Redmond. You guys are on the, the front edge of technology and you're, you're a great resource to have. I mean, nobody should uh, reinvent the wheel when they, they want to look at a, a successful program like this. And the drone program, I've, I've had a lot of emails about that. I'm going to do a mailbag one of these days and talk about the, the comments and the questions are coming in. I'm sure we'll get calls from here. And um, I just want to tell our listeners, look, if you're enjoying the show, take a moment and leave us a review and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. And you can get in touch with me and the Policing Matters team at policingmatters at policeone.com. That's police one, O-N-E. Drop us a note to share your ideas, suggestions, feedback, or just to say hello we love reading your messages, and we may feature your comments on a future episode. Maybe I'll do a, a mailbag segment before the shows, because um, we're getting some great response from the readers, great suggestions on guests like, like we have today. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you both. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you, Jim. Thanks, Jim. You bet. All right, listeners, thanks a lot for listening. Stay safe. Talk to you soon. I'm Jim Dudley. <laughs>